Listener Production. On today's episode of Footy Talk, we'll whip around the grounds to get you up to date with what we've seen from round 20. And boy, has it been some sort of round of footy. We were here at Marvel. The Bombers took on the Swans. And then we'll cross for an update on the showdown. That's all to come on Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Lee Montagna here with Sarah Hosking and we've just wrapped up watching a terrific game of footy at Marvel Stadium. It was the Sydney Swans holding on to a two-point win over the Bombers. They led by as much as 37 points, Sarah, but the Bombers, they came roaring home in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't quite enough to get it done and it now leaves their uh, their chances of playing finals hanging by a thread. But the Sydney Swans, well, they're starting to make a charge. It does. Sydney's now in 10th position on the ladder and Essendon move down to 13th. It was an absolute cracker. A few lead changes. Again, Bombers striking home early, or late sorry should I say. Errol Goulden leading the way with 37 disposals and a goal. A few big bags across the night. Langford kicking five. Peter Wright four. Amadi four and Wicks with three. But it was the ball movement from both sides being able to hit the scoreboard that impressed me. Both being able to get the ball all the way through and hit the scoreboard. Yeah, it was nice that the offense beat the defense tonight. Both teams, well, 99 to 101, plenty of goal scorers. And really, though, Essendon will be disappointed to not win because they did so much right. They dominated the time in their forward line. They had 20 more inside 50s. They had more clearance, a heap more contested ball. But they weren't able to capitalize as much as the Sydney Swans, who were just clinical whenever they went inside 50. And it's been a bit of an issue for the Bombers in recent weeks, their ability to hold up inside their defensive 50. And as we said, uh, they were able to find a way without Buddy Franklin, who was the big story of the game. Sarah, Mickey Roberts was all over us, all over it for us uh, on Triple M. But Buddy Franklin going out with a calf injury midway through the second quarter is going to be the big story out of this game. It is. And again, the question is, is it going to be bad enough that he can't finish out the season? Because arguably it may be his last season. There's still plenty to play out. Four rounds to go. A calf injury to Franklin. Will he play again for the Swans? Time will tell, but it does keep Sydney's finals hopes alive. From what you saw tonight, Sarah, do you think the Swans are good enough to play finals and not only play, to be able to maybe win a final or two? I mean, I think they're, they're definitely good enough. If they play well, then they can. I think the question is, I don't, I don't think that they're – Premiership contention, I think they're, they're a little bit off that and they're still a little bit off their best football. So I think they're still lacking some issues in the continuity. Again, Essendon's ability to be able to score against them when typically they've been such a strong defensive side tonight. Again, I think they're still a little bit step off. Errol Gordon was best on ground. Zach Merritt was the best bomber. Kyle Langford kicked five goals. Peter Wright found a bit of form and there was plenty to like about the game. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you are listening on the Apple Podcast, Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button, leave us a review or rating. But we will now hand over to the guys at the Adelaide Oval to talk us through the big upset in Showdown 54. Uh, you're back with Footy Talk around the grounds. Uh, Brittany Yates here at the Adelaide Oval. We've got Red Biglands and Dom Cassisi as we look back on Showdown 54. And, uh, boys, it ended up being a really big win and a, a bit of an upset win. Uh, the Crows home by 47 points, 16, 16, 112 over Port Adelaide, 9, 11, 65. And an extraordinary performance by Adelaide. 
Well, the first quarter, of course, the turnovers were really up there, weren't they? Port didn't come to play. Three goals to the Adelaide Footy Club on the back of turnovers. And at stoppage, they started to get first use of it through Riley O'Brien, who's in teeny the up-and-coming ruckman for Port Adelaide, not really getting on the end of it, but really dom in the end. It was the run to receive. We saw all night Adelaide prepared to work over to help their teammate out, dominating the handball receive category. And uh, kicking was down for both teams as a result of the pressure. But, God, Port wasted some ball inside forward 50. They really should have hit more targets in there. The forward line for the power just didn't work tonight, did it? No, it didn't. I mean, the Crows just worked both ways really well. I mean, you look at uncontested possessions. They had 59 more uncontested possessions and 18 more contested possessions. So... You know, and you throw in 13 more tackles. So that just, that, just, that just reeks of more work rate, better intensity. And as we know, history of showdowns, the team that can play harder for longer generally wins. The Achilles heel for Porters, of course, their scoring accuracy. Woeful from set shots again. Every time, though, Adelaide went inside forward 50, we know they've got some potency even tonight without Rankin, without Rochelle. Half the time they went into their attack, they had a shot at goal from that. So... Not sure how Port can fix their forward line function, and when they get Rochelle back from suspension, Adelaide's forward line is going to be pretty much unstoppable. Was hopefully ranking without hamstring injuries not too far away. Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, Port 65 inside 50s won that count, but only nine goals, 11, and the Crows, you know, they're ranked number one. Really, you go inside 50, they kick a score. Dom, I think the concerning thing from Port Adelaide's perspective was the, the lack of pressure, and when, when you come into a game like this where you just wonder how you could not turn up to play, given it's a showdown, the biggest showdown in footy, probably as far as rivalries go. Um, it, it was extraordinary to see Port Adelaide turn up in that manner. I mean, is that something you can explain? No, not really. I mean, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the intangible thing, isn't it, in football? Um, you know, pre-game, sometimes, you know, pre-game in the rooms, you think, God, all the boys are up and about. You go out there and go, in, you know, go, down, at five, go down five goals down at a quarter time. Yeah. Other times, you know, in the pre-game, you, gee, the boys seem a bit flat and you come out and, and absolutely smash it. So it's really hard to gauge. But, you know, Port Island, if they're going to think they're going to be a genuine top two team, they, you can't put up performances like that. Not for four quarters anyway. We understand that Crows came out to play really well in the first quarter. But the real genuine best teams, they'll come out in the second quarter and at least break even and then try and go again from there. But Port, the Crows were just too good over the four quarters. Forward line function, Yates, he did it. And the Texan, absolutely on fire, taking the showdown medal and then destroying the forward line. He, his kicking was amazing. One of the goals of the year to be able to balk a leer, a leer from 50 out on his right and go on his left. You called it magnificently. Well, he joined Peter Vardy, Warren Treadray and Tony Modra as the only uh, other players to kick seven goals in a showdown. But it's, it was extraordinary. And uh, during the call, I mean, Dom, I reckon you made such a good point. And it, it was at a time when we were talking about Port Adelaide, actually, where they were sort of struggling to get through the year. But then you spoke about Tex and how fresh he looks and how extraordinarily speedy he looks and agile and everything that he's got going on. And you sort of wonder how, because at his age and what he's done and sort of where he's at, but you're right, he, he's moving uh, smoothly. He's looking energetic and he's getting things done. Yeah, he's, he, he, uh, he looks mentally fresh. And I think that's half the battle as you get towards the, you know, the twilight of your career. And it looks like he's really enjoying his footy. And, you know, he's not the captain anymore. So that's one less thing he has to worry about. He can go and enjoy his footy and go home to his family. And it seems like he's, you know, He's, he's giving so much leadership to the players. I mean, 
the, the, when you talk about leadership, it's about doing big things in big moments. And that goal that we just spoke about, where he balked on his right, kicked on his left, in a Port Adelaide were coming really hard the five minutes leading into that, and yeah. that just settles the whole playing group down. And he's still a genuine leader. And the impressive performance from the forgotten footballer and Matty Crouch. How good to see him back and really dominating. Not just getting cheap, easy little kicks. He was piercing the ball through the Port Adelaide defence with 32 disposals and right up there in the running for the showdown medal. So good to see him back in full flight. Has he cemented himself back in? Where do you think he's at as far as the the Crows are concerned through the midfield? Yeah, from a midfield point of view, unless Sean Berg can continually kick down the door because he only had the 15 disposals. I thought Sean Berg was still good tonight and was good against the Demons, but he's the one they're banking on. Schomburg and Crouch, they're very similar styles of player, but they want to get Pedler through there eventually, who is a gun mid, but kicked two goals tonight, mainly playing as a forward and hybrid half-forward Pedler, but I think Crouch is a many spot. I think he's got to be a lock there for a month. He's a different type of player with his um, clearance work and getting some penetration on his kicks. And a few concerns for Adelaide again defensively with Butts. It looks like a broken foot uh, when he left the game sort of halfway through the third quarter, whenever it was. So, you know, they've lost a couple of ACLs in Duda and Murray and now a foot injury to Butts. You sort of wonder how long they can keep stumping up down back. That's right. They've got to go back to the well again and pull out uh, some more players from the sample. And, of course, Port Adelaide, well, Miles Bergman with ice on his groin, didn't take much part of the final term. Lockie Jones had a huge, sickening collision with Alir Alir, who amazingly came back on. And Lockie Jones will be assessed for that concussion. It has been con- cleared, but still had a migraine through there. So defensively, Adelaide lose another. And, well, you look at Lockie Jones out. It could be a big out for Port if he can't front up next week. They've got a big match against the Cats down in Geelong. And, and where do they sit now, Port Adelaide, Dom? Obviously, they've got a big body of work behind them, and they sit second on the ladder. Uh, lucky Brisbane had a, a loss as well, uh, a loss today as well, which sort of meant that they still have that game clear. But you lose three on the trot. Uh, you're sort of heading to the business end of the year. You've got Geelong next week uh, away. I mean, how does that all sit for Port Adelaide at the moment? Well, the pressure builds, doesn't it? I mean, they, uh, they'll be desperate to try and find that electric you know, sort of ball movement and energy they had for the first 15 rounds of the year or 16 rounds. You know, that ability to win the, win the stoppage and run out of it. I mean, we spoke tonight that when they won clearances, it was a quick kick. You know, when they were going well, they were running from stoppage, they were taking the game on and they were damaging with their ball movement. But, you know, it seems like they've gone in their shell a little bit. It seems like they're a little bit tired. So um, they've got a bit of work to do to try and get back to their best. And, and part of that work, Biggles, has got to be their ruck setup. I mean, we, we had Vizantini, who was in there tonight, who sort of battled and did his best, but it's the battery of ruck that they don't have. Port Adelaide, they've got Lysette. I mean, we're not really sure what that knee's doing at the moment either. And, um, you know, obviously Hayes, not he was injured, wasn't he, uh, coming into this? He wasn't able to take his spot. So um, they don't have a lot of options at the moment, Port Adelaide, in that particular area. They didn't try uh, Finlayson in there tonight, did they? They obviously threw Dixon in there a fair bit, who gets bashed and battered around, was one of Port Adelaide's better players with his contested marking. He had uh, 18 disposals, 15 of those contested. So they want to push with Dixon up against the bigger ruckman because Riley O'Brien is such a big man, but... Vizantini would be better for the run. Young kid, still finding his feet at AFL level, and they desperately need Lysa back. 
I believe they can only win a flag with Lyce in the ruck. They need him fit and fine. They've got to get that knee right. Well, there it is. A big win by Adelaide. Uh, 47 point winners. Tex takes the uh, showdown medal. And if you have a question for us, uh, get on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod. Uh, TikTok at footytalkpod. Tomorrow, Abby Holmes, Jay Clark, and Daisy Thomas to unpack the weekend. Listener.